are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bucks Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am your host, David Harrison, writer over at BucksNation.com, covering your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can find me on Twitter at DH82 underscore Bucks. Find my co-host, James Yarko at jyarko underscore bucks. Find everything we're writing, of course, over at Bucks Nation. This is the Locked On Bucks podcast, which you can find on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to your Monday edition. I am flying solo on this episode. Uh, James and I actually planned on taking Sunday off, which is when we record our Monday episodes, because we had so many voicemails coming into the end of the week that it actually filled up three episodes worth of of, uh, of content. And we published one of those episodes on Friday. Hopefully you guys got to listen to that. If not, obviously I highly recommend you do so. Uh, and then we, we published a special one on Saturday actually, so that we can make sure we got them all in. Um, unfortunately our last episode, which was supposed to air today, the last single voicemail, uh, pertained to Jameis Winston's future. And it was actually an interesting question. Uh, we had gotten the question in a DM as well to the lockdown bucks podcast, uh, Twitter page, I've seen it on social media here and there from various people wondering if the possibility existed that Jameis Winston could have possibly stayed in Tampa and returned to the Buccaneers to back up Tom Brady and potentially continue his development under Bruce, uh, Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, you know, obviously learning on behind the goat and maybe eventually three years from now or so take back over as a starting quarterback of the Buccaneers, a little bit older, a little bit wiser, a little bit more studied uh, since then. Um, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Jameis Winston themselves or himself have announced or, you know, however you want to say, they kind of officially said their goodbyes, uh, making the question a little null and void. So to that listener, to that caller, uh, obviously we apologize for not being able to get your call on the air sooner. Not enough time in the day, not enough days in, in the week, obviously. Uh, it was a very good question. We appreciate it. The conversation was very good. And to give you guys kind of the abridged version, uh, James was pretty much on the side that I think most people were kind of on where it was probably not going to happen or, or you know, it just wasn't one of those things. The drama behind it, kind of the storyline behind it. I mean, if Tom Brady comes in the first four games and the team struggles or, you know, maybe the passing game isn't doing what it needs to do or they lose by a field goal here and there because they, you know, can't produce enough points or something, it's going to cause a lot of stir. And we know that Bruce Arians is a guy who kind of likes his quarterback to come into the situation knowing that he's the quarterback. Last thing he's going to want is for fans or in the media or social media or whoever asking for Jameis Winston to get back on the field right after signing a guy like Tom Brady. Me, on the other hand, I'm, I'm a little bit of a dreamer. You know what I mean? I like to kind of keep my head in the never say never type of category. So I thought the idea was an interesting one. And uh, I kind of took the angle that you know, Jameis Winston right now at, at the ripe young age of 26 probably isn't, you know, up for it or uh, doesn't find that situation very attractive. But that if, you know, having gone through it late through it later on into his 40s and all that, probably would have looked back on it as a positive investment in his own future. Uh, but again, Jameis Winston uh, bidding farewell to the Buccaneers and to Tampa on March 21st on social media. Uh, if you haven't seen it somehow, uh, obviously find it. You know, I, w- I would recommend you find a way to go get it. It's a picture of him from when he was drafted. And then he, he, he writes on there, uh, quote, It's been a great five seasons as a Buccaneer. All love and respect. I love Tampa, and I look forward to seeing you all again in February. Uh, kind of a, a little bit of a not so much a goodbye, but a see you later saying that, you know, I'll be back in Tampa for the Super Bowl with my new team. Uh, obviously, I mean, 
here at the Locked On Bucks podcast, I think I can speak for James saying that we wish James Winston the best in his future. Um, I know that towards the end of the season, in the offseason, leading up to free agency, you guys know James and I have have been on the stance that the Buccaneers had better options out there. Guys like Tom Brady were just one of those guys. Um, but I but I want to make it clear that from a from a show standpoint, from James and I, that was in no way, shape, or form directed at Jameis as an individual, as a human being. Um, the Jameis the person and Jameis the football player are two very different uh, people. I know that it's it's hard to kind of see that difference from where we sit uh, and, and how it relates to sports a lot. But just please understand that when it when it comes to this topic. You know, what we say about Jameis Winston, the gunslinger, the quarterback, uh, as exciting as he is and has as as much potential as honestly both of us feel like he still has to reach. Uh, we just we got to the point where we felt like that potential was not going to be reached in its current situation with Tampa. Uh, so wherever he lands, whether it be Pittsburgh or Washington or, you know, somewhere else that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, we wish him nothing but the best of luck, uh, unless, of course, he's playing the Buccaneers, in which case we want the Buccaneers to win. But. Um, great guy. And then the Buccaneers followed up this weekend on March 22nd, uh, sending a tweet out with Jameis, you know, uh, coming out of the tunnel there in Raymond James Stadium onto the field. It's kind of the smoke billowing behind him with the captain patch on his jersey. And it simply says, you know, thank you, Jameis. Just a nice picture. Uh, the quote or the tweet itself, quote, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you, three, uh, with kind of the appreciative hands there. Uh, for the from the from the organization, so a nice little farewell to the guy who was selected first overall in the 2015 NFL Draft, and now, you know that that time has come and gone. Uh, the the chapter that chapter has been closed, and now we're on to the Tom Brady chapter, which of course will likely be shorter, uh, given Tom Brady's already you know extensive career and and how much time he probably has left in that career. But we're gonna enjoy the next year or two of that as much as we can. Before we get to Tom Brady on the field, we've got to finish free agency, as it were. The Buccaneers adding offensive line depth, bringing back free safety Andrew Adams, who had 11 starts in 2019. Uh, a guy that we've kind of talked about is possibly coming back and and pairing again with Mike Edwards and guys like Dakota Dixon and some other depth players who who weren't able to, to make their mark in the 2019 season, but showed some talent and some potential during training camp and seeing if they have the opportunity to come back. Obviously, Andrew Adams now coming back. So that'll be a good addition. He's been a good part of this team for the years that he's been there. Obviously, most famous for uh, intercepting Cam Newton um, in 2018, just a bunch of times. And that kind of leads us into the next phase of the offseason. Once all the free agents are signed, at least the first wave of free agents are signed, we, of course, have the NFL draft in April, which uh, you know will, will not be the Vegas extravaganza that everybody kind of expected coming into the 2020 calendar year due to everything going on with COVID-19. But the uh, the NFL right now still stands that the, the NFL draft will take place in some way, shape, or form, uh, and, and we will have rookies on all these teams. So doing that, uh, going and taking a look at how the the first initial you know stretch of free agency is going to impact mock drafts across the the internet. It's it's mock draft Monday, and we're starting off this conversation with Joe Marino's latest mock draft that was posted on March twenty first. So after all these initial free agent moves were made, uh, it's and he titled it his "What Would I Do?" That's a, that's a quote. What would I do NFL mock draft? So basically, what Joe is saying here is that he is not trying to predict what each team is going to do, what each general manager is going to do with their respective draft picks. In this mock draft, this is what Joe would do. So Joe put on his glasses 
I don't know if he wears glasses, but he he looked at it through the lens of Joe Marino at every team and all the prospects that were available and said, if I were running your team, this is what I would do for you after what has already been done in free agency and looking at the roster as it stands today. And really looking through this, there's not a lot of changes, at least especially in the top five. Joe Burrow still goes number one to the Cincinnati Bengals. Chase Young, number two to the Redskins. Uh, he has the Detroit, the Detroit Lions taking Jeffrey Okuda third overall there. The Giants taking Jedrick Wills out of Alabama, the offensive tackle, the first of the big four to come off the board at number four. And then he's at the Miami Dolphins taking Tua Tungavailoa, quarterback out of Alabama. I'm sure Dolphins would be very happy about that. As we go through the list, there's really not a whole lot of surprises. At 12, the Raiders take Henry Ruggs III out of Alabama, uh, a draft pick that Al Davis would love uh, to, to bring in to usher in the new era of the Vegas Raiders. San Francisco 49ers, this is something that's interesting. Um, in, that, in, a, in a free agency frenzy period trade with the Indianapolis Colts, who had previously held the 13th overall pick, uh, obviously the San Francisco 49ers sent defensive lineman DeForest Bunkner Buckner, excuse me, to the Indianapolis Colts for that 13th overall pick. And Joe has them taking LSU cornerback Christian Fulton uh, going to the 49ers to pair up there with Richard Sherman and really kind of help stabilize that defense, that championship caliber defense that the 49ers rode all the way to the Super Bowl, try to retool that, restock the shelves there uh, and, and make a run. You know, they're obviously John Lynch making a run, hoping to uh, to really turn 2021 into one heck of a year if you're John Lynch, potentially, maybe, fingers crossed, getting into the Hall of Fame next year. Uh, if he could win a Super Bowl with his San Francisco 49ers in Tampa and Raymond James Stadium, um, I'm sure that he would just love to do that, and that would make for one 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 uh, one pretty special 2021 calendar year if you're if you're John Lynch. But of course, the Buccaneers hoping to help among or help with the uh, the rest of the NFC to derail those plans. And with the 14th overall pick, Joe Marino in this mock draft has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selecting Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle out of Georgia. I'm going to pause for a surprise in case you haven't heard that before. Andrew Thomas, a fairly popular name amongst Buccaneers mock drafts these days. And Marino writes, quote, Andrew Thomas, a three-year starter in the SEC in a pro-style offense at Georgia, is the definition of a plug-and-play offensive tackle. He immediately upgrades DeMar Dotson at right tackle and ensures Brady is protected. So you see that impact of free agency getting there. Listen, the Buccaneers signed some offensive tackle depth and Joe Haig, former Indianapolis Colts offensive lineman. There's a lot of people who feel like he could come in and battle for that for that starting right tackle spot, and I wouldn't put it past him at all. And then you have a guy like Andrew Thomas who has played on the right side. He's played on the left side of Georgia. He's a guy who come in, also compete for that right tackle job. And listen, at the end of the day, if Joe Haig comes in, uh, I've also seen some who, who feel like Joe Haig is more likely more likely to come in and compete for that right guard spot. Like he might actually unseat Alex Kappa. I've seen a few people speculating about that sort of a, of a thing happening. Listen, at the end of the day, I think what, what, what Bruce Arians and his, his offensive staff and his coaches are going to do is they're going to take the best five guys that they can put together and they're going to put them on the offensive line, regardless of salary, regardless of draft status or whatever you want to have. They're going to put the best five guys out there in front of Tom Brady, in front of Ronald Jones, and whoever else is in the backfield uh, after the NFL draft. And they're, that's the unit that they're going to roll out with. Um, if Andrew Thomas comes out and proves to be the best left tackle on this roster, then I could completely see Donovan Smith being moved to a reserve role. If Joe Hay comes out and proves to be more of a right tackle than Donovan can be, you know, I mean, I wouldn't put it past anybody uh, to come in and be be shifted. We saw some some training camp shifts in positions uh, going on in the secondary, especially during during the early part of the of training camp into the preseason. I mean, 
listen, you know, Bruce Arians has come in and, and above all else has said that everybody's going to have an opportunity to show what they can do. So, hey, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if the Buccaneers drafted Andrew Thomas, uh, I would be very happy with it. And I think that the expected offensive line would probably be Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, Alex Kappa, and then Andrew Thomas with Joe Hay kind of filling that first that six-man role, if you want to call it that, that first guy off the bench to fill in or come in in heavy sets as a as an eligible receiver, as it were. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, never never count anybody out in these systems with coaches who are, are coaching guys up and teaching them the right ways and, and willing to put the best, best team on the field. Um, so moving through the first round of Joe's mock draft, uh, again, everything kind of goes – as planned, as we've kind of seen, not a whole lot of shakeups even after free agency. Uh, but this one's actually a two-round mock draft. And in the second round, this is kind of exciting uh, that I think people will like. The Buccaneers snag with the 45th overall pick, running back DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. And I think that this is honestly probably the lowest I've seen DeAndre Swift go in quite a while. I'm going to go through here, and I believe... He's still the first running back off the board. Yeah, uh, at pick 45, DeAndre Swift becomes the first running back taken. Uh, I'm not sure you know, if there's ever been a number one running back taken any later than that before. Uh, but looking at Joe Marino's own scouting report on the, on the Georgia running back, you know, obviously the team going back-to-back Georgia Bulldogs here in the, in the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, Marino writes down his pros as, you know, slapped together nicely with a thick lower half, natural low center of gravity combines with outstanding power in his legs that lead to terif- terrific contact balance. Uh, Marino writes that his best traits are vision and contact balance. His worst trait is some nagging injuries. He doesn't have any red flags. His NFL comparison is Carnell Cadillac Williams, Auburn great one-time Buccaneers running back. I think fans would would genuinely enjoy to see a Carnell Williams type running back join this offense and come back on there and join Rojo. Uh, at the end of his in his final evaluation, Marino writes, "Quote: DeAndre Swift features a balanced all-around skill set that projects him to be a plug-and-play starter in the NFL. His low center of gravity, power, and tenacity as a runner leads to consistent post-contact production, and his ability to accelerate rapidly makes him an overall dangerous weapon. Swift thrives catching the football and demonstrates consistency and pass protection, making him an every-down option." Swift enters the league with a modest 513 touches across three seasons at Georgia and should be able to contribute as a starter in his second contract. Swift's vision, lateral quickness, elusiveness, and decision-making as a ball carrier makes him a scheme-versatile project or prospect. Sorry. Uh, Yeah, Joe, sounds fantastic. I think every Buccaneers fan would be extremely happy to land DeAndre Swift there along with Andrew Thomas in the first two rounds and an offensive-heavy first couple of rounds, first first couple of picks heading into the third round. Uh, for those who are wondering, Jonathan Taylor running back out of Wisconsin is the next guy off the board, next running back off the board, that is, going to the Buffalo Bills at pick 54. J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State ends up with the Dolphins at pick 56. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, LSU running back, ends up with the Tennessee Titans at pick number 61. So there's where your running backs go, all of them going in the in the second round there. Well, not all of them, obviously, but the, the big kind of the big names going in the second round there. And what the Buccaneers end up with is a new offensive tackle to add to their to their group and a running back to join forces with Ronald Jones there behind Tom Brady, uh, adding to the weapons of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, who restructured his contract to be more team-friendly uh, and stay with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We know he's he's been a fan of staying with the Bucs, uh, most notably when he redid his contract, um, telling his agent essentially, do whatever you got to do to keep me in Tampa. 
And that trend continues as he takes a pay cut or not necessarily a pay cut, but restructure some things. As the time of this recording, we don't have all the details, but is at least restructuring some money so that the, the team can justify keeping both he and OJ on uh, while taking a little bit of, of a sacrifice to, to help the team out. So, of course, you can't, you, can't, hey, you can't do anything but love a guy that's willing to shuffle money around for the good of the team, uh, sort of like Mike Evans did last year. And that actually leads me to the next topic I want to talk about here the last 10 minutes or so of today's episode. For this topic, we're staying at the Draft Network, our friends over there, um, and we're talking about Kyle Krabs, who recently came out with an article titled, quote, pairing six of NFL's top remaining free agents to the perfect team. Uh, and what drew me to this, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a regular visitor of the draftnetwork.com anyway, but what drew me to this, honestly, is Paige Demakos, friend of the show, uh, adopted fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, very tight with the Arians family, of course. Has their, has, she has her own podcast, the TDN Fantasy Podcast, that she hosts over there with Jamie Eisner and Jake Arians, son of Bruce Arians. If you guys haven't checked that out yet, I highly recommend you do so. Just search TDN Fantasy and you'll, you'll find it on your favorite podcast platform and provider. And in his post, Krabs goes over a few free agents that are still out there, some big-name guys who are still looking for a fit. Uh, most notably, defensive end Jadavian Clowney, cornerback Logan Ryan, quarterback Jameis Winston, wide receiver Robbie Anderson, defensive end Everson Griffin, and offensive tackle Jason Peters. And that is where the Buccaneers come in because Krabs has linked Jason Peters to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the best fit for that veteran offensive lineman. In the article, he writes, quote, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be a hot destination for players given their acquisition of quarterback Tom Brady this past week. Jason Peters, in the twilight of his career, would make a lot of sense in Tampa as another short-term player for a team that is now clearly in a win-now mentality. The Buccaneers own approximately $22 million in cap space as things currently stand, so they should be able to absorb Peters' costs, and he'd be a clear upgrade over Donovan Smith at left tackle. So in this scenario... Right, we're talking about Joe Marino drafting Andrew Thomas uh, from the Georgia Bulldogs to the Buccaneers to most likely take that right tackle spot where Demar Dotson used to play, um, and currently does not have a contract. So as of now, we will say used to play. Uh, and then you have Joe Haig coming in, adding either veteran depth or potentially competing for that right guard spot. And now, uh, if if the Buccaneers follow the Kyle Krabs theory of Jason Peters and his fit with the Buccaneers, you have a potential replacement. For Donovan Smith at the left tackle position, of course, this would probably end up leading to Donovan Smith being terminated or his contract being terminated or traded following the season or or what have you, uh, given the fact that his contract carries no dead money after this season and uh, and most likely also lead to the Buccaneers drafting uh, another tackle as Jason Peters would likely come in on a one-year deal. Andrew Thomas would probably shift to the left in his sophomore season, and the Buccaneers would then uh, target a new right tackle in the draft, um, which would, would really help kind of the prognosis of their future fal- uh, salary cap situations because right now the Buccaneers have a lot of money dedicated to that offensive line. So if they were able to move on from Donovan Smith's contract after this season with no dead money, Jason Peters would be a little bit more uh, in a, more of an investment into the line this year, which would actually result in a, in a, in a drop-off of the cash investment next year. Move Andrew Thomas to that left side 
and then you bring in another fresh guy on a rookie contract to play on that right side. And now all of a sudden, the money that you've got to invest in your offensive line is more commensurate with the amount that you would want to spend. Um, obviously, you know, we dropped the name Jameis Winston, so that's going to draw some attention. So we'll just go over that real quick. Uh, his team fit for, for quarterback Jameis Winston is the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is not new to any of the Locked On Bucks listeners. You guys have heard James and I talk about potential fits for Jameis, and the Steelers have been one of them. Uh, in, in his his piece, Crabs writes, quote, this feels like a home run from a scream from a scheme perspective. The Pittsburgh Steelers love to push the ball with Ben Roethlisberger, and Jameis Winston has the same play style with a little extra recklessness to him. If Winston finds his market is dried up after throwing 30 interceptions, 30 interceptions in 2019, his best bet would be to take a short-term deal in Pittsburgh, play behind Roethlisberger, and look to integrate himself with the Steelers organization as the heir apparent to Big Ben. But this marriage only happens if Winston is willing to take a short-term deal for backup money and bet on himself. So there you have Kyle Krabs' take on where Jameis Winston may end up landing uh, as a free agent as, as this thing continues on down uh, the path that it's going. And guys, we're going to leave today's episode right there. Uh, a lot of good things to cover, a lot of good things that we have covered. Stay with us for the rest of the week as we're going to continue to go over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster and how it looks now after free agency. And then we're going to take a look at some other free agents that are out there, guys like Jason Peters and maybe some other names out there. You guys are still calling in with voicemail, so we'll incorporate those as much as we can during those conversations. Of course, if you want to get in on the conversation and you want to drop a voicemail yourself, you can do so. By calling 813-444-5841, drop your questions, your thoughts, your comments, your ideas pertaining to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whatever else you want to talk about in there. And James and I will do our best to get to them. But until the next time we talk, I have been your host, David Harrison, writer over at BucksNation.com, covering your Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Twitter at DH82 underscore Bucks. Find BucksNation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Find my co-host, James Yarko, on Twitter at JYarko underscore Bucks. And of course, follow the show at LockedOnBucks. They're on Twitter. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms and providers leave us a five-star itunes ratings if you please it'll help uh, fellow buccaneers fans find us to all of you new buccaneers fans who are continuing to get comfortable with the environment and get acquainted with the tampa bay buccaneers welcome thank you for joining us hope to hear from you as well soon uh until the next time we talk guys we'll be back tuesday with a brand new episode here with you uh please be safe be healthy out there and thank you so much for joining me right here at locked on bucks